A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 405. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Calder City. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, this is our yearly pair of episodes where we like to look at a spin-off from one of the TV shows that we have covered in the past. Or in this case, possibly from two TV shows that have been covered on the pod in the past. Because we're talking about Cola City, a set of six main audio plays. They're about an hour each, produced by Magic Bullet Productions. And we're going to focus on the main six, Brian. And it's an interesting sort of crossover, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it is an unofficial spin-off into a different medium, which isn't usually what we cover, but this is an interesting one because it has settings and characters who are drawn from both Doctor Who and Blake Seven. And specifically, they are characters and settings that come from stories written by Chris Boucher. And Chris Boucher, who wrote for both Doctor Who and Blake Seven and script edited for Blake Seven, like many writers from the time, it was sort of standard with shows like Doctor Who and Blake Seven, they would keep the rights for things that they introduced into the stories that were not intended to be ongoing parts of it. So this is licensed from Chris Boucher for things that he wrote, but not licensed for Doctor Who and Blake Seven themselves. Yes, the rights around all of this stuff is quite complicated. We were discussing it earlier off air, Brian, but it is complicated stuff, isn't it? Oh, yes, it absolutely is. And you do get that divide where some things are with the BBC and some are not and some are strangely split. And yeah, definitely you get some complicated things. So these six stories are set in Calder City, as the title tells us, which is from a Doctor Who story. We'll tell you more about that shortly. It is the base of a powerful company, usually just referred to as the company, that mines the resources of the planet they're on and also develops these robots. And the robots are used often in a way which is much like slavery. And the poor of Calder City are also treated in ways that approach slavery. So you get... Some things that are at least hinted at or gone into more detail there. Yes, and all is not well in Calder City. You've mentioned that the sort of oppressive nature of the company itself. And within the company, there are uh, there's industrial espionage going on. There's plots. They are facing in Calder City the sort of the problem of religious extremism. And there is constant threat of attacks on members of the company or the company itself. So there's a lot going on. It's not all plain sailing in Calder City. And as you've hinted at, Brian, Calder City was introduced in a Doctor Who serial on the television 
the Robots of Death from 1977. And we're going to talk about that a bit more as we go along. But we're going to have to say it's it's difficult to talk about some of this without at least spoiling the Robots of Death, I think, Brian. Yes. I think we will be referencing things with some spoilers to the Robots of Death. It is a good story to watch before going into some of these sorts of things anyway. So we should talk about some of the characters. Well, let's talk about Chairholder Yuvanov, the sort of head of the company, played here as he was in The Robots of Death by Russell Hunter. And he is dealing with all these various sort of problems within the company, particularly the murders of several sort of high-up executives and possibly plots to murder him as well. And as I say, this is a reprisal of his role. He appeared in The Robots of Death. So the character of chairholder Yuvanov is owned by Chris Boucher, I think we can say, Brian. Yes. Caston Iago is played by Paul Darrow. He is a newcomer to the planet, which is unusual because most of the people in Calder City don't know about there being life on other planets or people on other planets. Iago is a specialist in cyber and personal security who makes himself very useful to Yuvanov and has his own agenda as well. He also mentions something to one of the other characters about coming from Federation space. So there's our first reference to Blake 7. And Paul Darrow playing a rather sort of shall we say, slippery, devious character, as you say, Brian, got his own plans and agendas and never quite sure which way he's going to turn. Yes, that's right. Also, we've got another character called Blaze, played by Tracy Russell. I think a new character for these stories, and she is one of Yuvanov's sort of undercover spies, uh, an agent of the company, expert at infiltrating other organizations that might be a threat to the company to try and find out what's going on there. So she's a sort of undercover agent um, who will run up against Iago and several other characters as the sort of stories unfold. Yes, that's right. Carnell, played by Scott Fredericks, is a psychostrategist on the run from a corrupt federation who encounters Iago in Calder City. Now, he's reprising the role of, of Carnell from a Blake 7 episode called Weapon, and he has that conversation with Castaniago where they reference the Federation. So Carnell is our main character from Blake 7, and the psychostrategists were also uh, an idea from Blake 7, and we have sort of our main three characters that this is pinned on are Yuvanov, Iago, and Carnell. And then we'll just mention one other character because of the actor playing him, a character called Poole or Paulius, and he is played by David Collins. And again, David Collins reprising his role as this character, it would seem, from The Robots of Death, an executive in the company who appears or first appears in a story called Hidden Persuaders. David Collins, always a delightful actor and presence. 
We remember him as Silver from Sapphire and Steel, I think, Brian. Yes, that's right. And he was in Doctor Who a number of times, including the Robots of Death. He was in, I believe, the final episode of Blake 7. So we have a number of actors as well as even characters coming from the Robots of Death and coming from Blake 7. And we actually have quite a few actors who were in the Robots of Death. I think there were about four or five of them who show up at one point or another, sometimes in different roles. Lots of connections to that Doctor Who serial and also it would seem connections to Blake 7. Yes, absolutely. So, looking at the first few stories, Occam's Razor by Alan Stevens and Jim Smith has Yuvanov trying to work out who is murdering his executives and also encountering the mysterious Castaniago and hoping to find answers from Castaniago and also hiring Iago as protection. And it's our first sort of introduction to Iago being this rather tricky character who sort of inveigles his way into the company. Yes, absolutely. And Yuvanov and being in Calder City with the robots there, that brings us right back into Robots of Death territory quite definitively. Death's Head was written by Chris Boucher himself, and it gets into the investigation, or continues the investigation of this plot with these executives being killed, and introduces us to the cult of Terran Capel. And Terran Capel was an important part of the Robots of Death, really the villain in, in the Robots of Death. And we get into more of what happened with Taryn Capel and what happened in the wake of Taryn Capel and his involvement with the robots in that 1977 Doctor Who story. And then a story called Hidden Persuaders, which I've mentioned already, written by Jim Smith and Fiona Moore. And this really deals with the sort of rise of the church of Taryn Capel, this sort of uh, strange religious cult that's obsessed with sort of the artifact or a religious sort of relic of Taran Capel. And of course, Yuvanov has detailed Blaze, his undercover agent, to infiltrate the church and try and find out what's going on and stop its intentions of, uh, well, the plot that it's up to and its actions against the company and its actions involving the robots. Yes, absolutely. And while we're mentioning Taran Capel, I will say that David Bailey does reprise the role of Taryn Capel at some point in Calder City. And yeah, that gives us still more people coming back to some of those older roles. So if we get into our production notes for Calder City, we are going to go back to these links between these audios and Doctor Who and Blake 7. And we're going to start with The Robots of Death a fourth Doctor story from season 14 of Doctor Who in 1977, which, of course, was written by none other than Chris Boucher himself. Yes, that's right. And it featured the Storm Miner, this big vehicle called the Storm Miner, which is basically mining minerals from 
these enormous sandstorms that last for a very long time. And it is operated by robots, you know, the introduction of these particular very memorable robots, and also by a small human crew. The human crew appears to have a lot of leisure time there, but also do some work that requires them. And the story has them being murdered one by one. It's got a sort of Agatha Christie feel to it as well, Brian, as well as being a story about robots. It is a bit of a country house, country house murder. The title, The Robots of Death, will give you a hint as to what's going on. There is more to it than that. But it is made clear that these humans and robots are from Calder City. We don't see Calder City. We don't know what planet it's on. But it introduces us to that idea. Now, of course, The Robots of Death is widely recognized as one of the best uh, Fourth Doctor stories. And I noted that the story immediately after it in season 14 was, of course, The Talons of Wen Chiang, Brian. So that's another great one. It was in a peak period. Yes, absolutely. And the one preceding it was The Face of Evil that introduced Leela and was also written by Chris Boucher. But it should be noted that there are a lot of stories that are widely regarded as among the best for the fourth Doctor. There are some strong ones there. And Chris Boucher obviously fascinated by robotics and some of the history of robotics and some of the science fiction about robots because the show or the story the robots of death i think directly sort of mentions the laws of robotics that we've previously talked about with isaac asimov and in fact apparently chris boucher chose the name yuvanov for the chairperson as a direct nod to asimov's name and even taron capel i gather i read was a, a nod to playwright carol kapek who coined first coined the word robot so you know, there's lots of references there. There was even a suggestion that the mining vehicle on a sand planet was some was possibly a little nod to June as well, Brian. Oh, interesting. Yuvadov was just the captain at that point rather than chairman as he becomes in in this series. But yeah, there clearly were some some references there, and that was interesting. It was a story that had some very strong world building in it. So we only see this one vehicle, but we get the idea of what the society and its reliance on robots are like. And we should mention that Chris Boucher, of course, as you say, Brian, he wrote two other Fourth Doctor serials in 1977. The Face of Evil, which, as you say, was the one that preceded this story and introduced Leela as a companion. And then he also wrote Image of the Fendal before moving on to become a script editor and writer on Blake 7, which he was from 1978 to 1981. Boucher wrote some Blake 7 episodes as well, including Weapon, which is the story that introduced Carnell. And to get into some of the possible connections between the two shows, part of this comes from the fact that Terry Nation, who created Blake 7, wanted to connect things between Blake 7 and Doctor Who. He wanted to introduce the Daleks, who he initially created in 1963. He wanted to introduce the Daleks 
at the end of series B of Blake 7, where there is an invasion of aliens from another galaxy. He wanted the reveal that either it would be Daleks invading from this other galaxy, or the Daleks would be the force behind the Federation and its other aliens invading. Depends who you ask, depends which uh, source you look at for which one it was or if both were considered. But that was something that Terry Nation wanted to do at that point. There was also, just as an aside, this idea of Blake meeting the fourth doctor and that they would meet each other, recognize each other and say hello and then go on and proceed with their their separate adventures, their separate stories. And that was something I think that both Tom Baker and Gareth Thomas wanted to do. As far as I know, it was never seriously considered for a story for either series. And I suppose some of this was just ideas being thrown around in script meetings and story meetings, I should imagine, Brian. Because we know that Chris Boucher, as script editor, was at least partially responsible for sort of rejecting that idea or perhaps talking Terry Nation down from that idea. That was from the idea of having the Daleks come in at the end of Series B. Yeah. But I guess, you know, possibly that idea of possible links may have stuck with Chris Boucher because after his work on both Doctor Who and Blake Seven, we know that he goes on to be a novelist and he writes Doctor Who novels in what we often refer to as the wilderness years when Doctor Who wasn't on the television. So from 1989 until 2005, but of course there was the TV movie in 96, I believe, Brian? Yes, that's right. But he did publish some novels during those sort of period when it wasn't on television. Yes, absolutely. And during that period of time, the official Doctor Who content was mostly comics and novels and for part of it, audio dramas as well. So there were a number of people who had been involved with the classic series who wrote some of those novels, and Boucher was one of them. So he wrote four novels between 1998 and 2005, including the novel Corpse Marker in 1999, which continued the story from Robots of Death with a possible robot uprising in Calder City. And it also, it brought in this character, Carnell, the psychostrategist who you've mentioned already, Brian, who had, of course, appeared in that episode of Blake 7 called Weapon, which was written by Chris Boucher. And Corpse Marker, if I remember rightly, Brian, the Corpse Markers were little devices they placed on the robots when they'd been deactivated or something similar. It was a, it was a clue in the serial. Yes, that's right. They were like little discs that were placed on the, the hand of a robot to mark them as inoperable. And it was part of the plot of the Robots of Death. It comes up. So in 1999, the writer and producer Alan Stevens approached Chris Boucher with an idea to create some new audio dramas based on the ideas from Robots of Death and also from Corpse Marker. And the result was that Magic Bullet was formed, Magic Bullet Productions, which started in 2000 and started with these Calder City CDs, the first one to come out being Occam's Razor in 2001. They would go on to do a total of six full-length episodes on CD, sort of single CD episodes, 
They were directed by Alan Stevens and Alistair Locke, with the music and sound design done by Alistair Locke, who also did a lot of sound design and music for Big Finish, including Blake Seven work, as well as Doctor Who work. Oh, uh, okay. Another connection. Yes, absolutely. And Chris Boucher was the creative consultant throughout the series. Oh, uh, of course. And I know from the CD notes that they were recorded at London Studios, at uh, the Moat Studios and Starlight Studios in London. And you've mentioned already that there's some other sort of connections. There's David Bailey, who was in The Robots of Death, Nicholas Courtney turns up in a minor role, not uh, playing anything connected to the Brigadier, but Nicholas Courtney is there. And of course, one Nicholas Briggs turns up as well. Nick Briggs is in it, Brian. Yes, so you certainly have a number of people. Brian Croucher, who was Travis, the second version of Travis in Blake 7, and he was in The Robots of Death and shows up in Calder City as well. So even with the characters not necessarily being connections, there's a lot of actor connections from crossover from Blake 7 to Doctor Who and through Big Finish. Now, we've mentioned that there were the six main releases in the Calder City series. They're about an hour each. They're on a single CD each. There's also two smaller stories, uh, which, as we'll mention in a moment, are available as downloads. One of these is called The Prisoner, written by Alan Stevens and Fiona Moore, which was originally released on a Paul Darrow CD called The Actor Speaks. It's a little short story. It's not one of the ones we're going to mainly concentrate on, but it is out there, and it's an interesting sort of 20-minute... It's an interrogation between a character and Iago, played by Paul Darrow, and it's a sort of musing on the nature of reality and can you believe anything that's actually happening. And then there was also Metafiction, which was also by Stevens and Moore. And it was originally performed by Paul Darrow and Patricia Merrick live at the Sci-Fi London Film Festival in 2011. And then it was recorded and released in 2012. And again, it's a short one. It's 15 minutes and it is... Well, we'll talk about it a little bit more next time because it makes the connections between the two shows even more obvious, Brian. Yeah, and those short stories were done, I think, some years after the run of six CDs that's sort of the main run of this series. So talking about those six CDs, let's do availability if you want to actually listen to Colder City as we've been doing. Here in the UK, you head to coldercity.com and go to their shop where you can find the six individual stories from this series, all available for just over £11 each, uh, which includes postage and packaging. Or they have a deal for all six together, which is what I did, which is about £60, including postage and packaging. And I think one of them comes up, one of the CD covers comes with a, a signature from one of the actors on it as well. They're not available as downloads, those ones. Apparently, according to the email, they're still selling well for them on CD. So, unfortunately, not available as download yet. However, you can pay a fiver and download those two shorts that I've talked about or we've referred to, The Prisoner and Metafiction. They're available on download for a fiver for the pair. So pretty easy to get hold of them over here, and they came very quickly, Brian. So it's a similar idea if you're in North America, where the individual CDs are available for $19 each, including postage, to the US. And that is 
again from caldercity.com. There is also a package deal for $98 US for all six CDs, and you do get that signature. So it's very much the same idea, just different in terms of postage. You can also pay the five pounds for those downloads as well. So very much the same sort of thing, just different pricing to accommodate the postage. And if you go to coldercity.com, which we, we do recommend you do, you'll notice that they have another series there, something called Faction Paradox. Another sort of, I think, complicated origin story for this series, this is not based on the works of Chris Boucher, but this seems to be, as they describe it themselves, time-travelling steampunk among the pyramids of Mars. So you can see there's another Doctor Who connection there. And you can get the Faction Paradox series from Magic Bullet as well. We haven't done that yet, but it is there. And I think probably right in saying, Brian, you pointed out this is not, again, not an official licensed production. That's right. As with Calder City... Faction Paradox is not a licensed Doctor Who spinoff. The ideas that it's based on of Faction Paradox itself come from some of the novels that were written in the wilderness years and also pulling in some things from the Pyramids of Mars, which was another fourth Doctor story. And they do have a package deal for getting the Calder City and Faction Paradox CDs if you want to do that. Okay, interesting stuff. So that will do us for our first episode about Calder City. Next time, come back and join us because we're going to run through the other stories quickly, including another mention for the prisoner and metafiction. And we'll start to get into, we'll actually start to mention, I think, who we think Paul Darrow's character might actually turn out to be. So there's some interesting stuff to talk about next time, Brian. Yes, absolutely. And we will talk about some of the spin-offs from Doctor Who and Blake 7. Can't talk about all of them, obviously, because there are so many. And of course, we'll give our recommendations on whether you should head to callthecity.com and buy these CDs from Magic Bullet. Absolutely. So until then, you can find all of our episodes on BritishInvaders.com, or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in on some of the discussions. You can also find us on Twitter and tweet at us or follow us. We are at Brit Invaders Pod. Yes, do come and join the Facebook group and give us a follow on Twitter and you'll get details of all our latest releases and what's going on. And also, come and find us as part of the Voice of Geeks network. British Invaders is a proud member of the Voice of Geeks. You can find that at vognetwork.com. Lots of other activity going on there. Podcasts, gaming channels, Twitch streaming and the like. Vognetwork.com Absolutely. So thank you for listening and this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, Eamon in England also signing off. <laughs>